You are listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number nine. With me tonight is Jennifer. And also Ian. Greetings. And Sean. Still alive, everybody. Still alive. How's everybody doing? Well, I just described that. Allergy season. Ah. Oh, I know. I know. That's allergy. Yes. We can all tell that, can't we? <laughs> so, all right. Well, the first thing I've got, um, we, uh, Ian and I had a, uh, a talk with um, Brian Walsh from the uh, Rational Alchemy podcast, which is a, I, I've really been enjoying his podcast. Um, he actually, uh, um, it's actually on a Fort Collins radio station, and uh, he, he lives right across the street, I guess, from uh, where they uh, produce that podcast. Probably. And he basically started doing the podcast because one night he drank a little too much and was ranting, and someone said, hey. We need to record that. Yeah. So yeah, I I I some I hope to get him. I well, I'm sure we will actually have him on at some point, and you know he he can tell us about that. So that'll be that'll be fun. Um, yeah, it was fun talking with him. Yeah. So what we were talking about? Well, the reason that we had the call was uh, to talk about Skeptic Camp, and so that we could do a podcasting panel. So we will be doing a podcasting panel at the upcoming Skeptic Camp. And it sounds like right now it's just the three of us, right? The two brains and me? Um, And his co-host, Nigel. Okay. So it looks like four of us. Um, so I don't know if there's any more Denver podcasters that are going to that. Um, you know, we, we'd like to have two more. Uh, we've only got a half hour to talk, so we, uh, we're going to talk for a half hour. Half hour panel. Be quick. Yeah, exactly. I didn't realize. I thought it was going to be an hour, but no. They're scheduling things in blocks of 15 minutes and a half hour. So not much time to do much. No, it's not. But I, it'll be good enough. I mean, for us to, you know, at least we'll be getting up there and actually doing something and participating. So, right. Sounds are fun to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got an upcoming meeting next Tuesday. Um, maybe I'll try and drop in on that. But, uh, yeah, so that should be fun. And, uh and Brian is a really neat guy. In fact, after you, know, you got off the phone, we we continued to talk, and I finally had to say, I must go to bed, or, or we would have continued to talk. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I was having a good time. If I wasn't um, under the weather that night, I probably would have stayed on. Yeah, so it was fun. All right, moving on, we're going to talk about rustoleum with cigarette butts. <laughs> you know, it's, you got to love what scientists can do with garbage. Well, this was an interesting story, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they're talking about how, you know, the opening sentence here is probably great. Chemical extracts from cigarette butts, so toxic that they kill fists, can be used to protect steel pipes from rusting. Well, it kind of makes sense. Isn't it pure tar? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, they don't say, they just say chemicals. They don't say specifically in here what is uh, doing the prevention. And certainly there's some tar in there, but I don't think that that... I, I don't know if that's the only thing or not. They don't say. All they say is chemicals. Right. They don't get into the technical stuff. But you got to figure the tar probably has to play a fairly good role in that, knowing what tar is. But how much tar is really in the cigarette butt? Mm, fair amount. Um, when I did first aid, my instructor, I have to do it every two years. I have to up, re-up. Um, he said that in a cigarette butt, there's enough nicotine, which is the toxic portion, um, there's enough nicotine to kill a nine-year-old child if they ingested a cigarette butt. Nine? I thought it was six. Nine? I I think he told us nine. Really? But, well, our nine-year-old weighs as much as a six-year-old. Well, okay, that's, <laughs> why, yeah. that's why I stopped feeding him the cigarette. Well, butts. I think it's I think it's six for the menthols. All right. So anyway, <laughs> but the, but that still doesn't tell us how much tar or other or what other. And we know there's a bunch other of other chemicals yeah. are in there. So well, it's not it's not as if we just know they're highly toxic. And we right. Them just like well, well, they, it's not as if fish. toxicity is going to stop oxidation because oxidation is the process of water, it's, oxygen molecules, and water basically bonding with the outer surface of metal and causing that outer surface metal to erode due to bonding with the oxygen. Okay. So, well, my, uh, thoughts, my thoughts were this sound like some sort of, however you know, the chemical reaction works, you've concentrated the tar and some other stuff together, and that's actually what does it. Because you, know, you, you figure that's what it is, and that in the butt is the concentration of all that stuff. Right. It's just the fact that they've found a use, though, for something yeah. that... In other words, is under other uses, is just going to sit in a landfill. Right. So it doesn't and really matter what they're doing it with. It's the fact that they managed to recycle it. They don't. They, 
They also don't say how they're using it. I mean, we know they're using it to, for rust protection, but are they are they are they using it, another chemical to dissolve it? Are they grinding it up? I mean, what are they what are they doing? How are they making you know? Maybe they're fraying the ends of the uh, cigarette butts and painting rust protector on the pipes with it. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy who's who who gets the task of doing that job? Boring. We've only got a thousand or ten thousand miles of pipe for you to do today. This one running <laughs> under the ocean. No, in the old days we used to let you use a toothbrush, but these days cigarette butts. That's right. <laughs> so, so I mean, I have some other questions about what is actually going on here. But yeah, you know, well, and it, clearly they're recycling, which is you know, and something that typically can't be recycled. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I figure this is something that you know will be interesting to see you know how practical it becomes because that would mean special ashtrays being set up um, at the various locations. Uh, mm. It really give us your with, cigarette butts. You know, ashtrays with, the, with the three arrows of recycling on there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for that. You know what? Any time that somebody can give give smokers a place to put their butts so they're not throwing them on the ground, that is the yep. only part about smoking. That I mean, if you smoke outside, you know. I, Great. I mean, that, whatever. But it's the it's the all the cigarette butts all over the place that drive me nuts. So so, so yeah, great. You know what I hate? Room. I hate getting one flicked out the window at my windshield by okay. somebody else's car. That sure. makes me want to follow the person. Right. So, so now this study, I, I you know, one of the things that they do point out in the study is that it was funded by um, the. China National Petroleum Company. So I was trying to think, you know, considering what they're doing and where does that fit into my bias, and I decided that was, you know, pretty neutral as far as, you know, they, they really don't have, um, you know, they'd like to find something that prevents rust, but yet they don't have a huge stake in, in you know, cigarette butts, right. you you know, working. So I thought that that was a good source um, for the money. You, you really couldn't, you know, um, and it isn't a controversial study, I realize, but, you know, I was looking at those things as well. The question that occurs to me is, are these American cigarettes? Are they Chinese cigarettes? Are they are they Russian cigarettes? Where are the cigarettes coming from? I Cuba. mentioned in there the, uh, <laughs> the percentage of, of Chinese that smoke, which I found to be incredible. Yeah, was it was like it? 60% or something. Yeah, it was oh, 300 wow. million smokers. Yeah. You know, we see it less and less here in the States, um, or at least in the people I hang out with. I'm sure there are still people out well, there smoking, but I don't know a lot of them. Well, I mean, I... Uh, There's you know, a growing the social smoke. stigma. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, does Barbie smoke? Or is she just busted? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm that's sure she used to. Yeah, well, that might be. But I think currently she's just busty. Yep. Now, we had already talked. We think that her bust line has gone down over the years. So she's not as busty. It's just she's showing it better. Okay. <laughs> so so tell us about uh, She's the always been pretty gravity-defying. All right. But, tell, tell us about the article, yeah. Ian. All right. Well, basically, apparently there's a new line of Barbie dolls out there called um, Basics. And... I guess the idea is was a line of Barbies that just wore a little. You know, I keep seeing references. They're all wearing little black dresses. So the basic idea is just show off Barbie in the most simplest of fashions. I guess. Well, one of the um, versions has a rather low neckline, and apparently that's gotten some parents a little worried that Barbie's showing off a bit too much. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The one parent. Uh, when you watch the video, she's like, I don't want my kid thinking that she's got to grow up and look like Barbie. Which, there's a logical fallacy there. I don't know, consequences, maybe? Yeah, argument to consequences. That sounds, yeah. like, that sounds like that is exactly what that is. If my kid grows up, if my kid has this, she's going to grow up to think that she has to look like Barbie. Okay, final, yeah. Argument. I think the best rebuttal of that is, I think it was Mad TV. My daughter keeps beating her head against the wall, thinking that she should have a large head because Brad's dolls. Uh, right. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> the Brad's dolls with the large heads. Yep. Yes. yes. Ian, did you have more? Well, Ian, go ahead. Well, one of the things about Barbie, though, especially you look at a line like this, these aren't the Barbie dolls the little girls are going to collect anyways. These are the Barbie dolls the adult collectors are going to go after. So right there, you know, the idea is this... This doll itself is not marketed towards little girl. It is marketed towards the adult collectors. I'd say, old men. <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. <laughs> Smithers. Anyways, uh, 
if you go down a Barbie aisle nowadays, at least half of the stuff out there is more marketed towards the adult collectors than the little girls. Sure. Very much. Yeah, that's so, true. So, you know, that kills the argument. You know, not kills, but well. that weakens the argument. Then, the fact that the way I see little girls play with Barbie dolls, they generally rip the clothes right off. <laughs> so, right. Yep. You know, they don't pay attention. To, yeah, <laughs> you, you, my nieces, you look at their Barbie doll collection, their Barbie dolls are pretty much all naked. <laughs> well, they have to be able so, to put those clothes on Ken. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this yeah. also reminds me what was about 15 years ago. They had the big outrageous thing about how the teacher Barbie was not wearing panties. So they painted panties on the teacher Barbie. So yeah. it's amazing how obsessed some people get with these yeah. dolls. So the other lady, though, her point was that girls don't want to grow up and be like Barbie. They want to grow up and be like their mom or, or some other. I mean, Barbie's just exactly. a toy, a plastic toy, which I agree with. But the problem is, is that we have two ladies that are both making arguments that are anecdotes. There is no empirical data here. Neither side can can win this argument based on anything that is truthful is going to come down to politics. Right. Well, the other thing I found oh. of interest in Wait. the uh, video okay, hold on, Jen, was that the, the, uh, the first mom in the video is wearing something that's almost as low cut as what the Barbie she was complaining about was wearing. And, you know, we're not talking about a lady who is not in doubt. She actually had a, a fair... You know, if your tastes run toward the curvy here, she definitely had a had a, a fair amount of endowment. So, okay, Jen, I was going to say um, that we do have studies showing that kids are more likely to behave in the manner of their parents, and especially okay. just recently, stuff came out about teenagers and risk taking, and teenagers are much more likely to partake in risky behaviors if they see their parents doing them things like texting while driving and using their cell phone and the way their parents drive they're much more likely to to copy those sorts of behaviors okay so yes the way their parents and the family dresses is going to have an influence more than the barbie more than the barbie okay and the mere fact of if you don't like what the doll is wearing how hard is it to go you know I wouldn't wear a dress like that because I think it's too low cut or I don't feel comfortable wearing clothes like that. Some people do, but I prefer to wear long sleeves all summer, you know. It's not a hard thing to have that conversation and treat your child like a thinking person who is capable of learning, you know. Sure. Right. Yeah. Now, I did include a link to a picture of, I guess, the whole collection. So if anyone's interested in seeing what the other Barbies in this collection are wearing, which some are wearing outfits that are just as risque, um, and yet this is the one that gets picked out just because of the neckline. Uh, there's a couple that the hemline is way up way there. <laughs> you know, so it, it's interesting what gets picked out. It's like, oh, the cleavage is very noticeable. It's like, well, okay. But there's other things that... Yeah. Oh, but the fuck me shoes are, you know... <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, That's the explicit tag. <laughs> we earned it. I'm also reminded of uh, the scene in the movie The Aviator. Well, and of course, from Howard Hughes' life itself, but the scene in the movie The Aviator when the censor board goes to complain about Jane Russell's cleavage in the movie The Outlaw. And he brings in pictures of a bunch of other actresses, and he basically has a guy measure the cleavage on each picture. You know, I, I'm reminded of, uh, of uh, something I was watching at xhamster.com. <laughs> Don't even know what that is. Sorry, should I catch the is cultural that? reference? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a porn it, it, it's porn movies. Uh, yeah. See, anything video, I just ignore it. I didn't watch any of the Barbie videos because it was video. I just read stuff. Yeah, there you go. We watched the for videos. future reference. If you put stuff in there that's a video and there's no text to go with it, I'll have no idea what it's about. Well, there you go. All right. Who's the, whose story is this? Classroom? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, balance group. What do you got there? Uh, this just happened here in Mesa, Colorado on the 26th. This was posted in the Denver Post. Uh, and in Grand Junction, a national group that thinks global warming is junk science and that teaching it is unnecessarily scaring school children brought its first petition effort for balanced education to Mesa County schools on Tuesday night. You know, this this is scary because we do have a lot of evidence 
here a lot of empirical data um, that they just don't like that they just that the, that they're just rejecting. Yeah, I mean this we, is uh, this is the argument from ignorance, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Well, they're not ignorant to the science. This is a pol- this is politically motivated. Um, but I, look at the reasoning they're using now. They're saying that if we global can't warming teach- is not a proven scientific theory. There is not enough evidence to support it. But but there is evidence. But there is a lot, a lot of empirical yeah. evidence. I mean, uh, uh, I, it's more debatable. What's making the making the the Earth warm? I mean, NASA has put out very good data showing that you know that the Earth has uh, gone up a degree and a half in thirty years, um, and and that their data is excellent. Um, they've also shown that all the glaciers are melting. That data from NASA is excellent. And that was one of the things they didn't like because a survey showed that two out of three kids were coming home thinking their world is going to melt away and that all oh, the polar bears are going to die. Well, that, that sounded a bit um, altered to me. I, I doubt the kids <laughs> said anything like that. And that's one of the things. You read this article, they're busy trying to imply, oh, we need to stop teaching this because it's scaring our children. It's like that reasoning doesn't quite work. Instead of having a conversation to discuss these things with your children, well, what do you think? Why do you think this? Let's look it up. Let's yeah, let's talk yeah. about it. <laughs> but they come yeah. from a world where they're told what to believe. That you don't have a discussion about God. God exists because I said so. Right. Okay. Well, but you know what's going to happen. Nowhere with the in here. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Nowhere in here do they mention that they were specifically religious people. No, I, you're right. You're right. I am. So, I am. No. I am. I am equating them with the intelligent design people. Because it's the same kind of thing, it's, and I it's don't an know that they're the same. Yeah, I don't know that they're the same people, but I. But we know that it's a Republican group, and I. I, I we would need to do some digging, but I would imagine you will find um, the the same kind of political and religious ties that you find with the Intelligent Design Group. And okay, yeah, and I don't have any. Uh, not, I don't, you're yeah, right. You don't have anything to back it up. You're right. I'm just making an ad hominem attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spank you later. All right. <laughs> um, I think it's, it should be pointed out that one of the people who kind of organized this whole let's get the signatures together um, was an unsuccessful candidate for school board. Aha! <laughs> so obviously she wasn't her viewpoint on things wasn't popular enough to get her elected to the school board but she's still out there trying to you know make her impact she should have just stuck with intelligent design are you yeah really (laughs) she should have just stuck with intelligent design because in in mesa county she can get elected well obviously she could (laughs) if she had stuck with intelligent design the subject the polar bear is going to die though you know what is actually happening with a lot of the polar bears is they're breeding with grizzlies and they're kind of becoming a new species. Well, they, you know what? I mean, you you would have to make the argument that, that they were so different to begin with. They, I mean, they're obviously, you know, probably very, one evolved from the other. I, and maybe when they, when they crossbreed, they'll become less specialized and better able to move into other environments. Evolution in action. Right, well, yeah, it Evolution is. Evolution in action. Yeah, and I it's would the same imagine. thing with the dolphins breeding with killer whales. I mean, it's the yeah. same thing with lions and tigers breeding. You, you can ma- imagine that polar bears and grizzly bears had a common ancestor that split off, and they, and they became specialized. But it's like humans and Neanderthals; they made it too. Yep. So they're not that different. Yep. And if you if you look hard enough, you can find a site that supports that. You know, it's a it's a membership site, I'm sure, and it's got some <laughs> content. But I'm sure there's humans and Neanderthals. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The bears and the cubs thing is totally different, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> What's a furry? <laughs> I'll explain it later. <laughs> okay. Uh, While the spanking is going on. <laughs> All right. But I should point out that those are two different. Subcategories. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be let's be real specific about this. Yes. All right. Let's move on to Catholic <laughs> leader says woman should die with her fetus. Uh, this is disgusting. This is repugnant. Ian. Yeah. Go um, for it. Before we um, take over. What? We'll be, go before we take over. We got something to okay. say. Yeah, this one I'm not surprised. The basic idea is there was a mother of four kids. She already had four kids. She was pregnant with her fifth. Complications arose and basically was determined that if she actually went full term with this kid, basically neither her nor the, the baby would survive. So 
a nun basically authorized an abortion for her. The um, Catholic priest, whoever's in running things, basically came out and said that was the wrong thing to do. That in certain cases, the mother should die with the um, baby. The nun, right away, they didn't even waste any time, got excommunicated. Uh, that priest was Reverend John er- er- Eric, E-H-R-I-C-H, Eric or Eric. Yeah, John Eric. Now, one of the criticisms I've seen and I completely agree with is how fast this gets dealt with, yet they have these priests that have been pedophiles for so long that get ignored. Yeah. And get, you know, they, they take decades to deal with that. It's like, what the hell's wrong with these people? Well, that's where their priorities are. Yeah, let's leave the pedophile priest thing right. out of it this but, week. No, but, but, you know what, though? But uh, okay. We still see their priorities with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah but the simple the, fact is that the priorities here is, are clearly not toward life, they're toward. Right dogma. Right. They're toward idealism, not saving human life. And if the Catholic religion, or if this, if this, not the Catholic religion, but if this priest's focus is on preserving the religion at the cost of lives, then, you know, I, I submit that if the mother should have died along with the baby, then the priest should have died along with the mother. Okay. <laughs> you know, if he's condemning her to death, then let him be judged by the same category. Eye for an eye? But that's what he's doing, is eye for an eye, and none of us can support that. No. Here's the thing is that my understanding is that the the woman had a specific complication that is well known and documented, and we know what happens when these cases go full term. This was a medical. This was a medical procedure. This was not a ideological choice by the woman. This was a medical procedure to save her life, and to save her life. To not carry a child to term who would have died anyway. Right. So it's not like the priest was trying to save the life of a child. He was just trying to prevent an abortion. Ugh. Yeah, th- this is really sick. It really is. And, you know, I'm not supporting having the priest killed. I would just l- like to try a little bit of acupuncture on him <laughs> yeah, with my bow. <laughs> Uh, All right. So, no matter where you take on abortion is, there are certain times where you have to say, okay, for the greater good, we have to allow it. And this is one of those times where anyone with half a brain can tell you it was for the greater good to go ahead and perform the The abortion and allow this mother to be there for her four other children who are going to need her. You know, I would go, I I would imagine that, I mean, certainly this is getting a lot of press because it's so controversial, but I I, I would hope that this is actually a a fringe element in the Catholic Church, and I'll bet that most priests and most in most people in the Catholic Church would have made the same decision to abort this fetus in this I particular think situation. Right. I think we that, hope so. I really you know, you think, have to hope that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, yeah. what we're dealing with here is a is a very extreme mindset by a very extreme man, right. and the the deci- you know the description of this as being an act of misogyny is probably not too far off the mark. What is he a bishop? So uh, it doesn't say he's okay. a bishop. He it says, says that he Reverend. is a medical ethics director for the diocese of Phoenix. Okay, so I I, I don't know. I think that so he may not even be a, he may not be a bishop. It doesn't say what his actual rank within the Catholic Church. is. We'll have to see how the church actually. It says Reverend. This. Yeah, it says Reverend. So I mean, right. so he. But so that's a very not, generic term, right? I heard I heard somewhere else that he was a bishop, but I don't I don't remember where I heard that. Either way, I I really think that that this is a fringe element. I I I I can't believe that m- the majority of them would agree with his position on this. Well, said so you have to hope that's the way. If if there's more in the Catholic Church that feel this way, then the Catholic Church is much worse than I imagined. You know, they have to have some level of common sense somewhere well what this brings to mind for me is the number of catholic health care things out there how many hospitals well this was a catholic hospital yeah but um there are certainly times when people for emergency reasons wind up in you know not their preferred hospital and so you know where is the division of what are 
religious doctrine teaches us and what is considered you know basic medical rights of people right. well there's been other issues because you know catholic churches won't or catholic hospitals will not do certain procedures so i remember that there's been other issues where certain people wanted to get procedures that um that they wouldn't do at a particular hospital so you know people had to be moved yeah so i mean if he doesn't want to do it that's fine um but you know get him to a hospital where where she can be saved you guys are just talking about an episode of Boston Legal. I recognize that. <laughs> all right. Let's Actually, move there on. was they an episode of Boston Legal. All right, all right, all right. Yes. Okay, yes. so let's let's move on. To bus ads. Yes, to bus ads, because we are going to provide a safe harbor for people wanting to leave Islam. I didn't read this one, but I'd like to state my position that... I'm always for giving people safe places to move from one ideological, you know, stressful place to another ideological stressful place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, what I love is a feeling. You should be of free this. to choose which yeah. doctrine is pushing down on you. The feel of these ads is exactly the same kind of ad that um, the atheist groups were doing last year that the Christians were so upset over. It yeah. feels almost like the exact same kind of thing, but the Christians were so determined the, the atheist ads were wrong and were um, insult to their faith and all this other stuff, and here they are doing the exact same thing. So, in Muslim. other words, the Christians reacted in the same way that the Islamics are reacting to this. Yes, pretty much. Ironic, that. I, I, you know, I have to say it's actually kind of a clever ad. Fatwa on your head? Is your family or community threatening you? Got questions? Get answers. Refugefromislam.com. Okay, but this is, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I have no problem you know, with them putting on the bus whatsoever. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's, you know, there, there's no reason for this to be blocked. I mean, it, it really isn't um, hurting anybody, and, right. and maybe it can well, actually help somebody. I don't know. The organization is called Stop the Islamization of America. So worried about people who want to change faith they are trying to stop america from getting an islamic influence okay well, uh, honestly in if you look at in new york right now especially with the whole mosque thing at ground zero the to me there seems to be a huge racist movement against muslims right now in new york and this some of this felt like it was part of that well it probably it, is it's part racist of that. there's no yeah. other way to phrase it okay they, there is a racist thing going on right now. It's justified for some unknown reason, but it is happening. Well, and, the unknown reason is 9-11. Well, yeah, okay. It's not necessarily unknown. <laughs> You're right. But it, it's to me, it's unjustifiable. Well, okay. But well, it, it, you're not saying that they shouldn't put the be allowed to put the ad up, though, right? Right. It, it's okay. freedom of speech. Okay. That's fine. But it still is part of racism that's going on right now that is very open. And what is happening is it you have all these people that are have a great justification for it, and they feel that's all they need. You know, they say, oh, well, because Muslims did this, all Muslims have to be guilty, and we can therefore we therefore have the license to be racist towards them. Which, which, and I agree that the that this ad to me seems like it's meant to you know to to be inflammatory. Uh, and I'm looking at their website right now, and honestly, the website doesn't seem to make any provision for the difference between Islam and extremist Islam. Well, of course not. They well, don't yeah, see no, that's, that's not their, that, Yeah, I I think it's meant to. It, to me, it seems inflammatory. You know, that's how I would see it. it you know, if I was a member of the Islamic community. Um, I would see it as inflammatory, um, m much more so than even the, the atheist ads that were put up. They, those really were not so inflammatory. Is that just me? I'm going to have to look them up because I don't think I've seen no, them. I, I, I look at the site and they've got a, uh, they've got a scrolling GIF or uh, some, other type of, some other type of picture that is basically showing the faces of people who died from honor killings. Okay. All right, but the, the motivation project. behind it is we're not terribly offended by the ads. It's the motivation behind it that we find suspect. Yeah, yeah that's what's suspect. Yes. Let's see. All so, right. Oh, this is on Boing Boing, and these were in London that the atheist bus ads were run. Though we had some over here in the States, I thought. Yeah, I'm not finding those. Uh, do you have a link? I do. I'll post a link on Boing Boing. Boing. All right. All what's right. our next story? All right. Moving on. We're moving on to oh okay so this is cell um, the cell phone cancer. Yeah okay so 
and this is this is you know a topic that a lot of research is being done on. Um, if you do a um, if you do a PubMed search looking for um, data on um, e- EMS, which is you know basically magnetic um, electromagnetic. Um, I don't know if did he call it radiation. I mean, certainly it's being talked about as radiation, but you know, ele- but um, yeah, they do yeah, call well, it radiation. Yeah, point. electromagnetic radiation. Even the sun is radiation. Okay, right. Well, and, so and, and granted, if we lived any closer to the sun, you know, we'd be awfully crispy. Um, so not if we had a better atmosphere. Sure. So this um, they just recently uh, an ad, or a uh, study was published, and I believe that it's actually a peer-reviewed study. And what it basically what what the end result was that um, that basically that there's no real they, there's no link between cell phone radiation and any sort of brain cancer or brain tumors, and this was um, of course and the study has some weaknesses too. I mean it certainly isn't perfect. I mean their control group population was not fantastic. They end up with a control population that that uh, are mostly cell phone users and that that look like you know have less brain cancer in the control group than than some of the other groups and so and so there is some noise in the data for sure that they have tried to weed out best po- as possible so I, I linked to um the science-based medicine.org and steve novello wrote um a summary of uh, of what what they found and he you know the conclusions were that there's no real risk from using cell phones it seems like if you have a phone attached to your head for 10 hours a day that that maybe there's something there, but that but that really was not um, very conclusive in the study. But if you went through and cherry picked the study, like a lot of um, news organizations have, they you could pick that out that particular piece of it and say you know cell phones cause cancer, which we have seen that some that that some of the data has been misused that way on um, on some news sites. So, and in, in the end, you know there, there's no real risk. Um, from short-term exposures and stuff like that over 10 years or more that we can see. You know, we've only had them for 10 years, um, so we're not finding anything. But like I say, if you do a PubMed search for this, you will find a lot of studies being done. All right. But what about my thumbs? Your your, your thumbs? Uh, Crickets. Yes. Okay. What about your thumbs? Are you worried about thumb cancer from texting? She's going in and out. We must be losing her. So, you know, and so this so what this this goes along with something that I have been looking at here recently. Um and that is the uh safe space protection, which is a, a device that's supposed to protect you from these electromagnetic radiations. And so the, this was I mean this was just good a good opportunity. Hold on here. Sorry, I'm calling Jen. Ooh, I had a pet pendant. <laughs> All right, see if we can add her back to the call. Jen Yes, I'm back. Okay, what about your thumbs? <laughs> cancer in my thumbs. <laughs> Ooh, texting cancer. I was right. Yes, yes texting cancer. Okay, well, this study doesn't Already deal with that. Already our minds are becoming one. <laughs> mm, that's yes. a little disturbing. If, yeah. if your brain isn't getting cancer from the cell phone, I suspect your thumbs are probably going to be okay as well. <laughs> Well, you did say stuck to your head for 10 hours a day. Well, Some yeah. of those people, you see people that all day long. Well, we've got a story here, though, a little bit down the line, not to, not to step aside from the safe space thing, which I think is juicy, but we have a story about cell phones altering DNA. Maybe if you text too much, it'll alter your DNA, okay. DNA enough that you grow <laughs> new thumbs. Now, okay, now that, that – okay, let me address that study here before we go on. That study okay. is from 2004. It was not peer-reviewed. And it it really was very inconclusive, and it and once again it basically showed nothing. Um, they they really didn't find any effect. Um, you know, they they made some some recommendations based on that on that study, even though, um, like I say, it was never peer reviewed. It was never published, so it really was just another experiment. Um, and there, but there are some better papers that will be coming out. I think when you do a PubMed search, you're going to find a lot of that stuff. So I put this study in here because it's the only study um, that I really found that did show that if you if you harvest cells and then expose them to the amount of radiation that's coming off of a cell phone at the high levels, that it will um, prevent DNA from um, um, from healing itself. But this has never been recreated in a rat or any other animal, only in a petri dish. 
And so far, all even all the studies that I'm seeing um, that are being done uh, on um, – uh, when I do a PubMed search, are still the same kinds of things. They're all, all just harvested cells. Um, n- nothing is being done in live animals. It, it hasn't been reproduced any other way. And there's no there's n- no reason to s- suggest that that is causing cancer. It might be, but they don't know. All they know for sure is they're getting a particular effect from the cell phone radiation on the cells, on the, on the D- DNA, um, both the double helix and the single helix. Also, how are they going... How are they going about doing this? Are they just exposing it to constant levels of this radiation as if you had, you glued your cell phone on your head for like five hours straight? And that's a good question that I do not have yeah. an answer to. I, that, that was not covered what their, what their mechanism for testing was in this. And that's a very good question. Right. Is, it, is it prolonged and how long was it prolonged? Because yeah. most people use it for like a few minutes, put the cell phone down. Right. And it, you know. Right. So yeah. I'm actually a little bummed that that study's not uh, not that good then, because I was hoping for a new study, you know, pointing toward, you know, if you get calls from certain numbers, maybe that leads to a beneficial mutation. <laughs> well, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I put that study in there because it because it, it did it did show that there are you know that that a cell phone could potentially do damage to DNA. In harvest under, uh, yeah, under very specific circumstances, none recreated in any animal whatsoever, and none actually being shown to cause cancer. There is no direct link. All they have is a uh, is some DNA that that wasn't able to heal itself. That's it. Well, that's because rats haven't learned how to text yet. What's that? <laughs> yeah, right. But if you're still like worried, squirrels. we we have some placebos to sell you. Exactly. Oh yes, safe space. So Let's talk there, about safe okay. Space. So now there are there's a I, I know of at least three items in this same kind of genre that are supposed to protect you from the electromagnetic radiation from your computers and your cell phones. And so these devices and and so I'm I'm this is on their front page. Now I've talked to you about what evidence we do actually do have. Okay. And, and and there's nothing conclusive, based on what the uh, what the evidence that I've presented. Agreed. Right. Okay. I I haven't found anything that 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 really says cell phones and electromagnetic radiation are causing cancer. I I couldn't find it. I looked, and that's the first thing I did when I when and and this this particular um, device is what got me interested in answering some of those questions. And so it says research now links. Um, long-term exposure to electromagnetic fields, EMF, with chronic illness, from stress, fatigue, to cancer. Overwhelming numbers of scientists now agree that EMFs created by cell phones, power lines, and other technologies are uh-oh, cancerogenic? Carcinogenic? Carcinogenic. Okay. But like any uh, mass public health threat, it may be years before... The talks, talks stop and action starts. In the meantime, people are getting sick. And that's, you know, to me... I you find know, that mildly offensive. Yeah. My, well, and, and that's, that's one of those, another one of those appeal to, appeal to consequences. It is an appeal to consequences. And you know, my thing about this is that I, I, I've looked... And, and the study that I'm referring to is fairly, is fairly recent, and it's all over, um, and, and it, you know... And it's indicative. It's all over the um, the news right now, but it's indicative of the of every study that I've that I've been able to get my hands on. That all of them are just kind of inconclusive. That that there, if there's a risk, it's slight. It's not a huge risk, and there's nothing to panic about. And Steve Novella in his blog makes the point that you are more likely to get to um, you know to get injured while talking on your cell phone while driving your car. And even goes so far as that you're more likely to get injured driving your car than using the cell phone, based on the, the the data that we have at the moment. So, and people are still looking. If there is a link, it is going to be found um, because there's so many studies going on involving this. But none of them, and and not an, and certainly not an overwhelming number of scientists agree that EMFs are creating created or are causing you know health issues. There's just right. there's no they it's unsubstantiated and it's the first line in here well not the first but it's in their first paragraph about this device. You know honestly my thought on EMF is we are designed to live in a strong electromagnetic field. Well I agree. We live in gravity and we live with a well, world that has magnetic north. Do you know the strength of our magnetic field? A lot stronger than my cell phone. It's one Gauss. 
that's how the Gauss was, was developed was based on our electro, electromagnetic field that is around um, around our planet is one Gauss. So that's where the Gauss came from. So there might be more than one Gauss in your cell phone. There might be more than one. I think that there probably is. I mean, the, the magnet in in I, I don't know. I, of course, I don't well, know. I don't know how many Gauss are coming out of it. Didn't the stuff say um, it's going from point five to two? Right, exactly. Well, was that Gauss or was that a fr- that was the frequency, right? Um, so I, I assume something saying point five to two, but um, one Gauss in and of itself isn't that strong. No, it's not. Uh, and I doubt our cell phones are even that strong. Oh, is one Gauss? You don't think so? No, I doubt it. Okay. There's no real magnetic pull to it. But we've constantly got radio waves flying through the air. We have wireless signals flying through the air. And putting your cell phone to your ear is not going to increase things that much. Okay, but isn't that the argument from... um from personal incredulity, that I can well, make no, it the argument not. from personal incredulity. I, I cannot believe that my there cell phone could possibly cause me any harm. So therefore, I don't think I, nobody's cell phone is hurting them. There you go. Okay, good. No, but I mean, so so we we don't know. I mean, it comes down to even after all these studies, we really don't know if there is an effect. It's mild, right. but yet we have these websites that are selling these devices. And like I say, I know three of them, and one of them is uh, being sold by Jeff Peckman. So, and Jeff Peckman, of course, is attached to Stan Romanek. They want it. They want to, you know, their uh, alien um, Bureau of Alien Affairs. Yes, my Bureau of Alien Affairs. So, and so, and he's also selling one of these devices, and his device is is simply, you know, a um, the, the same kind of uh, credit card looking thing that you would get when you go to. Um, you know, stay at a hotel. It's basically the same thing. It's got the camera, some kind of you know swipe on the back. I mean, yeah. So, so these devices are being sold to um, the gullible. The, well, the gullible, and but they're being sold to people out of fear. And the yeah. reason that this came to my attention was because I have a client who had one of these attached to her website. So I immediately had to you know go or attach her, her laptop. Her, her laptop. So I immediately had to go find <laughs> the website. There we go. Woo. <laughs> so, but my thing is. Okay, so they're selling these devices, and and I've gone through uh, through the site not thoroughly, right? I've read, I've been reading some of the articles about cell phones and stuff like that. Every one of these is pure conjecture. They don't cite any sources. You're just expected to believe what they have to say. So I wrote them, and I and I asked them, you know, because they said that um, if you go to their technology section, technology and testing, and uh, and and they they applaud people for asking how these things work. And then you take a look at their technology page, and you read through this stuff, and it, re- it really doesn't say anything. They've got a wonderful graphic on here at some point, you know, that shows um, see our testing page. So they they have a diagram, which means you know that it must work because you know somebody took the time to drop a diagram. Because it means that they have a diagram, right? So we have the control DNA. We have the unprotected cell phone DNA, and then we have protected phone DNA. So, but yet, once again, there's no papers. There's nothing to show that you know that there's 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 no uh, there's no evidence, right? You know, they 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 say that they've done these testings, but you know, they they don't provide any information as to how they did the tests, how they did the controls, whether the research has been peer reviewed. Any of that. So I asked, I, I wrote them and asked them to provide me with that information. I asked them for, um, you know, for wh- their testing, where I could find the papers, and, and wh- you know, who were they peer-reviewed by, and what journal were they published in. Uh, they haven't answered my, my email. Well, they yeah. probably stay away from their computers due to possible harmful radiation. Well, no, but they've got a device for that. Well, I, I want to know how it improved the DNA recovery be process beyond the control the, the the claim is that if you use these things your dna can actually pr- improve faster than normal right so these things are practically magical okay but when cells re um when cells are um what are are regenerating faster than the body normally can can um yeah that doesn't it. make any sense well, no, I, I that, we call that cancer yeah <laughs> That's the weirdest claim I can see here. It's like somehow these patches are supposed to make you heal faster. Okay. Well, I guess right. they they 
protect you from the electromagnetic field that we evolved in it also, maybe. So here's, I don't know. Here, here's the other um, thing. Um, but I don't, I don't care what anybody says. All I know is I want to buy an echo laser from this site. An echo laser. <laughs> well, well, I have, well, let's get at their products here in a second. Um, Brian Dunning from the Skeptoid podcast, he, he was talking about um, he, he wants to call he wants to create a new logical fallacy called the quantum fallacy. Basically anytime anybody adds quantum to anything. <laughs> so okay. after only two decades of research utilizing the principles of quantum physics and su- um, and subtle energy technologies, we perfected that product. Or predict, yeah. Um, effects in transforming EMFs into harmless fields. Okay, this is done on the quantum level, is what they're claiming uh, now. That's what now. Yes, the, this is the, they're they're inciting wow. the quantum fallacy. Um, <laughs> provide an independent lab study. Great, I'd like to see the independent lab study, and that's what I asked them for that they have not provided. It's affordable. Well, that's always good when you're buying pseudoscience products. You'd like them to be cheap, wouldn't you? It's easy to use, and it never needs recharging. So what the heck is it? Well, basically, it looks like it's a rainbow sticker. <laughs> okay, so you look. So we're looking at the products page, yeah. Okay, I put quantum biology labs in a search engine. Yes, you'll find another product um, from quantum biology labs. You'll, you you will find another product from them as well, or maybe it's the same product under a different name. I don't know. So it looks like yeah. So we've got the Safe Space Two. We've got the Safe Space One. We got oh man, we got so so. What do you want to protect? They they have something to help you do it. And here's the thing: is that if these do they have a do they have a cod piece? You know, I I uh, I don't know why you couldn't you know just uh, put the Safe Space Two down there. Crickets so, again. <laughs> That was a conversation killer. <laughs> yes, it was. So they so they've got patches for your cell phone. But here's the thing: if they're if it says that they transform EMF radiation into something harmless, well, but if you're transforming it, then how does the cell phone still work? Because they only take out the harmful stuff on the cell phone. Weren't you listening? Uh, you know what? I apparently I'm not getting it. Well, I'm looking at the Safe Space one, and basically, it appears to be a rainbow sticker behind a piece of screen. Yeah, I, but it's permanently coated with vibrational frequencies designed to interact with EMFs in your environment to create a tangible positive change. So great! If there's an independent lab result, you know where where is that study? It's not on their site that I can find. They make reference to it, but it's not provided, and they haven't provided me with it. You know, actually, I think I'm going to make one of these devices myself. Rainbow sticker out of a gumball machine has got to be what twenty five cents. Twenty five, yeah. Thereabouts. So I'll get a rainbow sticker and some screen, and I will be protected from harmful EMFs. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm this. What this appears to be is the uh, the logical fallacy appeal to gobbledygook. <laughs> you know, the the site is is fairly well done. You know, they've got a lot of you know, and and of course they've got my favorite testimonials, EMF protection testimonials. How do you? How would I know? How to, I, I don't even know how to begin to test this thing. I've not, you know. Well, I, I, I try to figure out how to. Here's a I, thought. I try to figure out how to contact this quantum biology research because it seems like all the companies that have something like this are going through them to get the information. Yet I can't find a website for this quantum biology I, research lab itself. Um, I have the website somewhere. For the actual lab, not just. Oh no no no! no. It's a reseller product. You're right. I can't find the lab. Yeah, I, that's why I, I keep finding there's all these places that say they've done the testing through the lab, but I can't find any way to find the lab itself. So they have the testing of our products, but once again, you know, independent testing, you know, that, that's all it says. This has been independently tested. There, there, there's no paper. There's no peer review, you know. And so as far as I can tell, they, I mean, these claims are completely unsubstantiated that they are making. They have nothing here to back up their claim. Nothing. Okay, so here's my thought, Brian. Okay. You send them an email. Okay. Tell them that you've gotten cancer from your computer, and the site that you spent the most time on was theirs. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> tell them you need uh, free sampling of products in order to heal yourself, and that you're sure that they will cooperate. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Man. 
Well, so, the, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, it's just... Oh, wait. <sighs> okay, quantum biology research is in Deer Park, New York. There's a phone number. Should we give that out over the podcast? Um, let's put it in our show notes. Maybe we should call them. And uh, I wonder if we I, we could set that up and record that call because it would be interesting, um, you know, because I, I, I want, I, you know, who if it's independent, if it's an independent lab, who they don't say who the independent lab is. So um, it's quantum biology research lab that did it. And Okay. And that, that, they, so they're the ones that we need to figure out how in the world you contact. He actually found a phone number. I found a PDF with a phone number, yep. If, okay. there, if there is any evidence to back this up, and if it, can peer, if it can survive the peer review process, there is a Nobel Prize waiting for this. You know what, though? There's no actual website for quantum bio- biology research. That's the thing. That's references to them. You're right. Uh, that's what I find most interesting. It's like you th- think a company that... Okay, and business. what's even more interesting is that the lab is in Deer Park, New York, but the phone number is in Montrose, Colorado. What? <laughs> Where did you find this PDF? Look it up. Phone number, 970-417-PREFIX. Wow. It's in Montrose, Colorado. But the, but, so well, that's I, their I'm headquarters. guessing they must spend a lot on their long distance. Well, that's, that's their headquarters. They're probably using cell phones to talk to <laughs> Uh, that's really interesting. So, so the phone number is a is a Colorado local number, and uh, all right, I think we've spent enough time on this. I mean, now there is actually a definitely. fair degree of pseudo scientific, pseudo scientific information in this PDF. I'm going to go ahead and put the link in here. Okay, yeah, that's that. But let, well, I, I think this is one that I'm going to come back to later as we as we as we do more research on this, as we become better informed about this stuff. Um, this I think this is one that we should continue to do more research on and, and become better experts on this particular um, uh, topic. Now, the other thing is right off the bat, research completed 2005. So uh, according to the PDF, the, the, uh, this is a five-year-old study already. My God, how many have died from cell phones in those fucking last five years? It's tragic. If we had known, if only we had known. All right. All right. So let, Should we so go ahead and throw my bit in here now? Or? Yes, go ahead, please. All right. I want to go ahead and describe to you. I don't, have a, I don't actually have a link here. This is an observation that I made when I was in a store. I was in the aisle that had the cake mixes, and they don't have the frostings together on a shelf they have the frostings divided up by the cake mo- the, by the cake boxes that they're put next to. And I want to hear people's gut-level reactions to this before I toss out my gut-level reaction to this and, to my, and my wife's. Okay. All right. So mine is that th- this is a marketing ploy that, you know, by, by, by separating them into different little things, that they're going to get you to look at more products as you're looking around at the different frostings, as you're looking for the frosting colors that you that you want, you're going to have to look at different things on different shelves. You're going to have to look in different places. So they're going to get you to look at more products while you're trying to get all this. If they group everything, then you're going to look at that group, and then you're going to look at the other group. But by mixing them in like that, I think that they, that they might have better results as far as getting you to um, view more products. And, and by doing this, they keep you in the store longer, and we know that the longer you in the store the more money you're going to spend and they actually have a statistic for this and i'm it's like it's like i want to say it's a a dollar for every two minutes something to that effect so so i think what they're doing is that by not grouping the stuff that they're keeping you in the store longer and so so and statistically you're going to spend more money it's interesting Hmm. ian what do you think and my basic thought was if someone had predetermined what cake mixes are supposed to go with what frosting, so they decided to design themselves that way. Didn't seem to be anything beyond that to me. My theory is yeah. contrary to yours, because if yours is right, then they'll get the frosting and the cake mix next to each other. Therefore, you're right. wrong. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Jen. I, we must have lost her again. Sorry, I was drifting off. You were thinking, mm, Were you thinking mix. of puppies? <laughs> no, seriously, what was your gut level on that? 
I lost the conversation probably five minutes ago. Okay. I was drifting off and falling asleep. Okay, Sorry. Ian, or, or Matt, go ahead and give us give us your take on this. Okay, my take on this, I, I was actually kind of initially a little offended. I was sitting here going, okay, are we not able to decide what cake mix we're going to buy and what frosting we're going to put on it? And I, I stated that to my wife, and she said, well, you know, honestly, no, because people have lost the ability to know to know flavors. So it's actually putting those together is actually going to help people create something better than if they tried to figure it out themselves because people don't know what things taste like anymore. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would encourage you to find me a peer-reviewed study that backs that up. <laughs> You know, but it still boils down to the display is basically anti-innovation. Yep. It's saying you must put this. It's the same thing that Ian said. You must put this red, red velvet cake with cream cheese frosting. If you don't do this, you've done something deeply, deeply incorrect. You must put this uh, this colored sprinkle frosting with this chocolate cake, or you've done something wrong. Yeah, I think it's I think it's to keep you looking around longer. And it was a perspective I hadn't even considered. But, you know, you ha- I have to admit, I actually spent several minutes looking at that display. I was critical of the team, but I did spend a few minutes on the display. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I think that maybe you should look that up. Maybe you should look up the, the psychology of how, um, uh, of how these uh, supermarkets are set up, because I think that would be really interesting. I, I was listening to a podcast, I was listening to Skeptically Speaking. And uh, and they had a lady from a skeptic society come out and talk about um, how was, how they're arranged and that there's a very the scientific method that they're doing that to keep you in the store longer. Well, we know things like things at eye level sell better and put things at eye level for men because they won't go beyond what they see right in front of them. And cheaper and stuff is always on the bottom shelf. That's how I get married. If you send us the store for five items, and we come back with one, and it's something you ask for, you're ahead of the game. Because yeah. <laughs> if we come back with one, and it's not something you ask for, that's the normal result. Put all the sugary stuff where the kids can see it. Yep. Um, and actually, my wife also brought up an interesting so a study that she saw about the fact that women and men shop differently and what she cited to me is that if a woman basically if a woman is shopping and somebody bumps up against her or brushes against her back she will not buy what she was looking at really see for a guy it depends on whether it was a boob or an elbow yeah (laughs) what would be the reasoning behind that just it 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 sudden it would just change it changes the the way she feels about it because she's made to feel uncomfortable. Uh, likewise, if you touch her purse while she's shopping for something, she's not going to buy that item because she's been made to feel unsafe. Is there a study that, that, that you I will find? Read? I okay. will find that study from I'm her. Because I get bumped into all the time by my kids. Well, yeah, but I'm, I think it's probably different with your kids. Uh, no wonder we have no food in the house. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I just found that kind of interesting. Uh, that is interesting. All right. So, so summing up the three logical fallacies we kind of touched on tonight. Yeah, actually, and we did a pretty good job of touching on them as we went, too. So I, that, that, I think that was great. So go ahead and uh, give us the rundown. All right. Well, the argument from ignorance is basically, it's basically saying on its bottom level, there's no proof that what you believe is true. Therefore, the opposite must be true. Okay. You know, in other words, there's no proof that... Cell phones don't cause cancer, so therefore they must. Okay, you're right. That would be an argument from ignorance. Okay. Okay. Argument for con- from consequences. We talked about the, the argument from consequences with the Barbie doll thing. If I buy this doll for my – if you buy this doll for your children, they will grow up to dress like this Barbie doll in a black low-cut dress. Okay. Okay. Um, argument from consequences is to say that – Either, either talking about good consequences, if you do this, then something good will happen to you. Or if you do this, then something bad will happen to you. So it can either be good consequences or bad consequences. And the third one is actually a variation of the argument from ignorance, which is the argument from personal incredulity. I cannot possibly believe that this is true, therefore it can't be. You know, I have a customer who used that on me this morning. 
<clears throat> that must have been fun. I, yeah. I take it you didn't actually cut loose on him? I, I did not. I uh, held my tongue. I held my tongue. <laughs> but it, it, I, the comment that I was thinking about on the argument from personal incredulity, it's almost a combination of saying of an argument from ignorance and an appeal to authority. It's basically saying, I can't imagine this to be the case, and because I can't imagine it, it must be it must be the opposite. Right. So it's saying that I have enough authority, even though I can't imagine this to be true, I have enough authority to say that it can't be. Well, yeah, actually, you know, the, the description um, uh, on the webpage that I linked to um, for personal incredulity, pretty good. I'm trying to find it. Okay, so... Creationists are fond of arguing that they cannot imagine the complexity of life resulting from uh, from evolution, but so so they say that yeah okay so they, so that's how that's the rationality that because they they can't understand how evolu- how all these complex organisms could evolve um, you know through natural selection therefore evolution isn't true. Okay. You could just easily say, without bringing the uh, the ideology into it, you could just easily say, I can't imagine that there could be a worse movie than blah, blah, blah. Therefore, it must be the worst movie ever made. You know, the blob was a good movie, so I, I really don't think that no, that's no, a no. good argument. No, 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 blah, 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 not the blah, oh, blah, blah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Actually, my first thought was a movie called The Legend of the Lone Ranger. I have not seen that. You didn't miss much. The uh, actor they chose to replace Clayton Moore, the guy who played the original Lone Ranger, the actor they chose to replace him couldn't act, couldn't ride, and it made me wonder why they chose him to be an actor. (laughs) He couldn't act, and he couldn't stay on the horse. Uh, There you go. So I think we did a pretty good job, actually, of pointing out these fallacies as we went through our articles this evening. And so I think that was good, that we were showing how they were used and how they were being used um, in the articles which we presented. So I thought that that worked out really well. I like that. So is there anything else? I think we're done. I think this is another one, and I think this is a wrap. Are we done podcasting skeptically? Well... For the evening. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's that's another one in the can. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Music for this podcast was provided by OMG. For more information about OMG, go to their website at mindspace.com forward slash OMGHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons share alike, no derivatives, 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please do not edit or change the file. There should be a protocol for that.